You are listening to the Hope Church Weekly Message Podcast. Hope Church is located in Cleburne, Texas and meets on Sundays. Pastor Todd and the preaching team desire for this message to bring life in a dark world. For more information about Hope Church, visit HopeChurchCleburne.com. Apollo 13 launched at 1.13 p.m. Central Time from the Cape in Florida uh, on April 11th, sending Lovell, Hayes, and Swagger up in a Saturn V rocket. Just before 9 p.m. on April 13th, the astronauts broadcasted and showed everyone around their spacecraft And Jim Lovell signed off saying, this is the crew of Apollo 13 wishing everyone a nice evening. And a short vibration warned the crew at 9.08 p.m. that one of their oxygen tanks had blown up, according to NASA. This explosion also led to the tank failing and the command module's normal supply of electricity, lights, and water were lost. In the transcripts, Swaggart reports, I believe we have a problem here. When asked to repeat, he said, Houston, we have a problem. Guys, what I want to say to you today is, Houston, we have a problem. We have people dying and going to hell every day. And are we working to solve the problem? Now with Apollo 13, There was a crew of people on the ground trying to figure out how to solve the issue. The spaceships were bleeding the the oxygen and fuel they needed to return home. And they were sitting around asking each other, what do we do? Let's watch this video. So you're telling me you can only give our guys 40 Five hours? That brings them to about there. Gentlemen, that's not acceptable. Whoa, whoa, guys. Power is everything. Power is everything. Without it, they don't talk to us. They don't correct their trajectory. They don't turn the heat shield around. We got to turn everything off now. They're not going to make it to re-entry. What do you mean everything? With everything on, the LEM draws 60 amps. At that rate, in 16 hours, the batteries are dead, not 45. And so is the crew. We got to get them down to 12 amps. Oh, 12, 12 amps? How many? You can't run a vacuum cleaner on 12 amps, John. We have to turn off the radars, cabin heater, instrument displays, the guidance computer, the whole smack. Whoa, guidance computer? What if they need to do another burn? Gene, they won't even know which way they're pointed. The more time we talk down here, the more juice they waste up there. I've been looking at the data for the past hour. That's the deal? That's the deal. Okay, John. And then we finish the burn, we'll power down the limb. All right. Now, in the meantime, we're going to have a frozen command module up there. In a couple days, we're going to have to power it up using nothing but the re-entry batteries. Now, we've been tried before. We've never even simulated it before, Gene. Well, we're going to have to figure it out. I want people in our simulators working re-entry scenarios. I want you guys to find every engineer who designed every switch, every circuit, every transistor, and every light bulb that's up there. Then I want you to talk to the guy in the assembly line who actually built the thing. 
Find out how to squeeze every amp out of both of these machines. I want this mark all the way back to Earth with time to spare. We never lost an American in space. We're sure as I'm not going to lose one on my watch. Failure is not an option. Gene Krantz would face the room full of men who had no answers as to how to get these three men home alive and safe to his family, was a great leader and looked at him and said, failure is not an option. And guys, what I want you to understand today is people are dying and going to hell every day. And what we have to understand as the church is we don't need to sit around and worry about our problems. We need to worry about getting them home because failure is not an option for us. It's not okay for me that anyone in this area would die and go to hell because failure is not an option to me. So if you have your Bibles, grab them, go to Matthew 28. We're going to be in 18, verse 18 through 20. If you'd like to follow along in your black hardback Bibles on page 784. You can also follow along on the Hope Church Cleburne app. There's a lot of good things on there. Pastor Justin does a good job making sure you have plenty of notes. Uh, also, on the, uh, the YouVersion app and the church app, if you'll scroll to the, it's at the bottom. If you'll scroll to the bottom, uh, those of you that have been reading along in the 21-day fast reading plan, I have put up another reading plan uh, that actually starts today. For those of y'all that want to keep reading along with us, just scroll to the bottom, hit the link, and it'll take you right there with us. I know many of you have already jumped on, uh, but I wanted you to have that just in case you want to continue uh, what we're doing together because I really enjoy reading the Bible with you guys. Do you guys enjoy it? Yeah. yeah. So, so it's good. So Jesus told us, Failure is not an option. He said in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, he said, and Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Notice he said disciples. He didn't say go therefore and make converts of all nations. There's a difference between a convert and a disciple. A convert just knows what he knows. A disciple can make other disciples. Keep going. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is telling us failure is not an option. It doesn't say, if you feel like it, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. It doesn't say, if you're comfortable, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. If you feel like you're adequate, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. No, the, the statement is an imperative. It is go. There is no other option because failure is not an option. Now, discipleship. Today, we're talking just do it, discipleship. Discipleship. Let me define it for you real quick, because I don't think we all understand really what discipleship means. Discipleship is the process of devoting oneself to a teacher to learn from and become more like them. For the Christian, this refers to the process of learning the teachings of Jesus and following after his example in obedience through the power of the Holy Spirit. He goes on and says, disciples not only involves the process of becoming a disciple, but making other disciples through teaching and evangelism. So how do you know that someone is a disciple? 
they make other disciples. The only way to distinguish if someone is a disciple of Jesus is to the fact that they make someone else a follower of Jesus. So are you saying to me, Pastor Tom, if I've never shared my faith with someone and they've not come to know Jesus, are you saying I might not be a disciple? That's what I'm saying today. Disciples make other disciples. And you're like, whoa, 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 that's harsh. Well, I'm going to give you an opportunity to become a disciple. We're headed into Easter. And whatever it is about Easter, people will come to church on Easter. Whether they believe in Jesus or not, they'll come to church on Easter. And guys, there's a reason we put our Easter service at a ballpark. Because there's people that will go to that ballpark that are comfortable at that ballpark. That's their house. When Jesus came into a town, where did he go? He went to their house. He didn't say come to the church. He said, I'm going to go to your house. Zacchaeus, come down because I'm going to your house today. So we're going to their house so that salvation will come to their house. And so today what we're talking about is we're talking about just do it discipleship. And I just, I tried to come up with a pithy title, um, but what I got was just do it discipleship. That's all I got for today. So (laughs) I hope that's easy enough. So point number one, the workforce is small. The workforce is small. Even Jesus talked about it in his time. Luke 10, 2 says, and he said to him, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. Guys, we need to pray that God gives us the right tools to do the job. Now, occasionally, in fact, just about every Friday, I go work with my dad at Barm Electric. Now, if you know anything about electricity, you need certain types of tools to work with electricity. Why? Because if you, if you have bare needle nose pliers that are metal and you grab the wrong wire, what do you think is going to happen? You might have to try real hard to not say a bad word is what's going to happen. But if you, have, if you have the right kind of tools that are designed to handle that kind of electricity, that kind of load, what's going to happen? Now, you may get some sparks, but it's not going to hurt you. What we have to understand is we have to, we have to ask God to give us the right tools to go out into the harvest. The problem is Christians today, we just stand back and go, we stand in our church, our air-conditioned church building, and we go, why don't y'all come in here? It's great. You don't know what you're missing. When what does Jesus say? He says, go into the harvest. Don't open your front door and go, yo, come on. It's time for dinner. Anybody's mom ever do that? (laughs) Kick open the door. It's time for dinner. Now, why would I come running when it was time for dinner? One, because I was hungry. And two, I knew my mom would kill me if I didn't come running. Right, mom? Yes, she's laughing in the back. But guys... The lost people out there have no desire to come in here. You know why they have no desire to come in here? Christianity as a whole, we're not very friendly. We're not very nice. We are defined by love, but we are, we, 
We're supposed to be defined by love, but oftentimes we're defined by what we stand against. Jesus never started with what he stood against. He always began with, I love you. And as the church, we need to lead with, I love you, not you're going to hell. Okay? I've never been, I've never been at a rally of people where, where I've been in downtown Fort Worth where those guys are yelling at everybody, including me, y'all are all going to hell. And I never saw anybody stop and go, you know what? That guy's right. I'm going to hell. Never seen it happen. And if we call ourselves followers of Christ, maybe we need to look at the harvest tactics of Jesus. What were the harvest tactics of Jesus? Here, let me heal what's wrong. Here, let me provide for you where you have need. Here, let me love you like no one else will love you. Maybe we need to learn from those tactics. Maybe it won't be so hard if we go to the harvest with the right tools. Right now, we go to the harvest with a baseball bat and expect them to go, what are you scared of? I'm not going to hit you with this bat. Right? But what I want you to understand is God will not send us out without giving us all we need. I know many of us feel inadequate, but God's not going to send you out without the power that you need. It takes me to my second point. The second point is it is up to us all. In my notes, I have all in all capital letters. It is up to us all. Jesus said in Acts 1.8, this is the last thing he said before he ascended into heaven. So do you think it was important? Yeah, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witness. Where? In Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We are called to witness. Jesus has given us the tool that we need. He has given us the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, If you'll notice in this verse, it says Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the age. The Jerusalem harvest, those are those people that are easy to reach. They're like you. They do the same things that you do. There's a reason that Jesus says, start with these people. Because they're the easiest to reach. Judea. They may be the people in, in Cleburne that are like you but they don't quite run in the same circles as you. They're a little bit harder to reach, but they're not that far away. Samaria would be the people in maybe all of Johnson County. They're not right here around us, but we could still possibly reach them. We just have to do a little bit more work than the others. And I think we all understand to the ends of the earth. We are called to send people to the ends of the earth. But guys, what I want us to understand is, do we want to put ourselves in a place that we decide who is going to hell? Because if we will not, if we refuse to reach a certain group of people because we don't like them, we're saying, I'm fine with you going to hell and it doesn't bother me. We're headed into a 2020 election season and there's many people that are Republicans that would say, I don't care if the Democrats go to hell. There's many Democrats that would say, I don't care if the Republicans go to hell. There's many Republicans would say, are there gonna be Democrats in heaven? And there's many Democrats that would say, are there gonna be Republicans in heaven? But here's what we have to understand. 
Just because we don't like someone doesn't mean it's up to us to condemn them to hell forever. Because Jesus died for all. Not because we deserved it. He He died for us all. But what I want you guys to understand is God has given us all the fire we need to reach the world. We just have to go. He's given you all the fire that you need. Just go. You're like, well, pastor, I mean, I don't even know my Bible that well. Guys, you don't have to know all the theology in all the world to show someone how Jesus has transformed your life. In fact, I could give the greatest sermons anyone has ever heard, but it's far more effective if you tell your friend how God has transformed your life. My job is just to inspire you, to empower you, to go out. And one step further, in Acts 1.8, Jesus said, I've given you the Holy Spirit, the fire, the power that you need to go and tell everybody. And you're like, well, I don't know that I believe that. Take Peter. When Jesus died, Peter denied Jesus three times. He was scared to death. He was afraid he was going to die. And Jesus restored him. And Jesus told him three times, on this rock, I will build my church. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Then what happened? Peter got filled with the Holy Spirit. Then what did Peter do? Peter preached the first sermon that we have after the Holy Spirit fell and thousands were saved. So Jesus used someone that was so scared to claim that he was a follower of him, not one, but three times. He used him once he was filled with the power of the Holy Spirit to save thousands. And there were thousands more after that that were saved because of Peter. So if you don't think God can use someone like you, even if you've denied Jesus three times, he's still saying, I can use you. He used Paul. Paul wrote most of the New Testament and he was a murderer. If he can use Paul to do great things, don't you think he can use you? Guys, it's not that hard. People tell me all the time, Pastor, I just don't know how to share my faith with somebody. Just tell them what Jesus has done for you. And guys, if you don't know well enough what Jesus has done for you, maybe you need to spend some time in that altar before you go out. Point number three. Can you tell I'm passionate about this? This is what gets me out of bed in the morning. Number three, you are called. You are called. We believe here in Hope Church, if you've ever been to our, through our new members class, actually we have one today. One thing that we talk about is the priesthood of all believers. Some of that theology can be found in 1 Peter 2, 4 through 5. It says, as you have come to him, a living stone rejected by men, but in the sight of of God's chosen and precious. You yourself, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Maybe another one? I think we're good. What this is saying 
is you have been made a holy priesthood. Did you know that you are a minister? Guys, I know many of you call me pastor and I appreciate you calling me that. But you are called to be a leader just as much as I am. You are called to be a minister just as much as I am. I'm just the lead. There's a reason I call myself lead pastor because it's, it's on purpose. I want you to know I'm here to lead. I'm not here to Lord. I'm here to lead. And I want you to know that, that we are here to do this together. But now because of the cross, we have all, we all have access to the same power of God like everyone does. I'm not any more special than any of y'all. Now, because I am a leader of the church, God has higher expectations of me. But what I am saying to you is you have the same power. The same power that I preach with up here every Sunday is available to you to go and reach the lost. It's the same power. You just have to tap into it. For instance, we have, the, we have all these plugs around the room. You probably never noticed until I pointed them out. We have all these plugs around the room. Now, are we going to get power if we don't plug into the power source? Y'all know this. No. You're not going to be able to, anybody ever, anybody ever plug their phone in and forget to plug in the charger? It's okay. This is a safe place. Then you wake up and you're like, why did my phone not charge? Oh, I didn't plug it in. Or my fault, my thing is I got lots of little hands and they'll come and turn my power strip off next to my, you hate that? And then, then you get no power and you wake up in the morning like, why my phone dead? Or, or you set your alarm on your phone and then it dies and then you wake up and you're like, what time is it? Ah! Right? Sunday morning. <laughs> you were here on time. It didn't happen today. Has it happened before? Oh, well, you're on time. I mean, you had enough time to go to Starbucks. I mean, you were good. But guys, what I want you to understand, all the power that we read about in the Bible is available to us today. You just have to plug into the power source. The blind seeing available to you today. The dead rising available to you today. The lame walking available to you today. Do you think if someone is hurting, if you pray over them and God heals them, do you think that's going to draw them to God? Absolutely it will. Guys, we have the greatest testimony that has ever been told. And oftentimes we don't even have to say anything. We can pray that the power of God would fall over people and then they just feel what he is doing in their lives. That's what we're called to do. So what does this mean for us? 